Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. An Emmy-nominated documentary researcher and a senior programmer at the well-respected Heartland Film, which hosts two terrific festivals every year, the delightful Indiana-based Julia Ricci is back with us once again. Julia, I want to thank you so much for being here and for making time to hang out and talk movies today. I'm so eager to dive into our topic, but before we do that, how are you doing and how's fall treating you so far? I'm doing well, um, actually, which, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. I, I, fall is my favorite season. So it it's, it's been, right. it's been, it's been really good so far. Mm-hmm. You're ready with the sweaters. Do you have your whole fall yeah. wardrobe? Yes. Yeah. Fall. Yeah. Fall. Yeah. That's another reason why I love fall so much. I love sweater weather is, is my thing. So yeah. Sweaters, turtlenecks, all that yes. fun stuff. Coats. Yeah. It's nice, co- cozy, cozy weather time. Great for you know, it's soup season. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of seasons. Yeah. It's like comfort food, movies, comfort food, you know, cuisine, you're wearing Mm. sweaters, you're under blankets, you're wearing, you know, fuzzy socks or cute socks. There's novelty decorations. I mean, who doesn't love it? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know you're always so busy with your duties at Heartland and also frequently host or are involved in film screenings, including Hitchcock movies starring Indiana's own Jimmy Stewart. And I'm always getting FOMO and wishing I could attend. So what have you been up to lately? I mean, yeah, we just wrapped up our 30th Heartland International Film Festival. Uh, wow. It was, yeah. Congratulations. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it was it was really successful. It was kind of you know, interesting to see how audiences were responding to and because we were back in person for indoor screenings as well as virtual and um, audience was, response was great. Um, we had a lot of people still out for virtual, but we did have a lot of people come out for um, in person as well. And it was great to, you know, kind of be back to semi-normal, but, um, you know, having, you know, filmmakers and audiences back, but, um, yeah, so that was great. And yeah, we did, um, a Jimmy Stewart retrospective for uh, our Jimmy Stewart legacy award, um, which he, um, we're the only festival in the world to have an award um, in his name, which is really cool. Uh, sanctioned oh, by his incredible. family. Yeah. yeah. So I always want to make a point of you know, showing a Jimmy Stewart film. So we did, uh, we did Harvey and we did rope um for, oh, for that i love so, those selections yeah. i feel like they get overlooked kind of in the in the scheme of jimmy stewart yeah yeah so yeah it was it was it was really fun and yeah, rope most of the people that were there had never seen the film before which is it made it even more fun so yeah that has to be an incredible film to watch on the big screen for the first time i can't even imagine and harvey just breaks my heart it's adorable Um, that line has stayed with me since I first saw it, you know, in this world, you can be oh so smart or oh so pleasant for many years. I was smart or something like that. I prefer pleasant and, uh, just, it's kind of Jimmy Stewart in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, this year I stumbled on one on um not jimmy stewart film but a festival movie that i watched on amazon prime called wild prairie rose i had so much fun watching it and then (laughs) you were kind enough to tell me like we showed it and it was so cool to know that so this year 
Are there any movies you want to be sure to give a shout out to that people should look for in the future? Oh, shoot. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, actually, Wild Prairie Rose was our Jimmy Stewart winner. Um, was it really? Yeah, it, was it was our darling. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Well, I can tell you about like this year's Jimmy Stewart winner um, was a really awesome documentary called Stay Prayed Up um, okay. about um, gospel singers. Um, and it's yeah, it's a really awesome documentary. It premiered at Telluride. Um, it's kind of playing the circuit right now. Um, a lot of a lot of festival films. We had a lot of big studio films as well, like Spencer and King Richard and like wow. all these the, the big films that um that are kind of you know making releases this fall, like over these next few weeks. Um, like come on, come on. There's a bunch of different films like that. Way to go. Um, yeah. There, there's one film that just became available um on iTunes and Amazon uh for streaming. Uh it is our Humor and Humanity Award winner. It's called uh See You Next Christmas. Okay. And it's a really cute uh, rom-com where these two people come together um, that their friends have a Christmas party every year. And it's basically like, it follows like over the course of like five or six Christmas parties where they like meet up and like the relationship unfolds over these you know Christmas parties. And it's, it's a really fun, it's, it's a really nice answer to this, this past year of just everybody kind of feeling isolated and alone. It's a really nice, like heartwarming thing. Just people just watching people gather together Oh, what a clever idea. I'm dying to see that. I love a good rom-com, especially something inventive like that. I mean, what a Mm -hmm. brilliant premise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cute. Yeah. It's on, uh, yeah. uh, iTunes or Apple and then uh, Amazon, uh, right. Yeah. As of yeah, right now. So perfect. Oh, ideal. Well, you're obviously a big classic movie lover and are quite active with that community and our mutual friends on Twitter. I know last time we chatted about your TCM experience with Ben Mankiewicz, but earlier in the year, I believe you announced, I think it was this year, that it was your mission to see every James Bond movie. We obviously settled on a trio of memorable Roger Moore titles to tackle today. Poor Roger really doesn't get his due. But before we get into his tenure as James Bond and the films you chose, I would love to hear more about your Bond viewing project, including what kicked it off and any surprises or fun discoveries you made along the way. Wow. Yeah. So um, at the beginning of the year, I was looking for something like I kind of like to do these film journeys um, every year. I think like it's be- such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, yeah, I kind of want to, you know, have some sort of goal to kind of work towards um, with movie watching um, last yeah, the previous year. So, yeah, 2020, um, I kind of that, that was the year I got into Westerns and watched oh, cool. like 25 new to me Westerns that I'd never seen before. And I really liked doing that. So I was like, OK, like and so this year I was like, OK, what's something that I have, you know, a blind spot, essentially, or just something that I have not um yeah, I just had not undertaken. And I, with no time to die, just, that was just in the news constantly about just that being yes. pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a sign that I should watch yeah. all of the James Bond movies. Cause I had not really seen any of them. I remember seeing Skyfall when that first came out, but mm, I, yes. it was one of those things where it was like, I was with friends in high school. It's like, okay, what's playing or yeah, high school, or I think it was a freshman in college when that came out anyway, but yeah, I was like, okay. We'll just go see this, whatever. I had no frame of reference for it. So I didn't really remember much about that movie at all um, this year. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all 24 of the official Eon yeah. James Bond films in order. 
and before No Time to Die came out. And I did. I finished them all. I finished, yeah, uh, yeah, I finished them, yeah, like the week before No Time to Die came out. So that is incredible. What an experience. Oh my goodness. So you hadn't seen any except for Skyfall, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, I had a fr- I had a basic frame of reference of like what they were about, and like I'd seen parodies and things like that, um, but not yeah the James Bond movies. So I kind of knew the tropes and some of the stuff going in, but I didn't really. Yeah, I just had no grasp of just the rest of like just what it was about or like what you know like and yeah just seeing the evolution of that franchise over yes you know, the the five decades of just that film just the, the differences one between like each bond actor but then also just seeing there's almost like a little like a, like a look into like pop culture and history like what was yeah. history what was going on in the world because like all of the all the villains reflect like what you know what was cold going on war. at the time cold yeah. war and all those the fears surrounding that and um all that so they were all they're all very reflective of their time in a lot of ways and so um and also just some, also shows how some things don't change either so yeah um so yeah so it was really cool to kind of see that as well and then also see a lot of actors too that were kind of got maybe their start like in their their first Bond films which I know we'll, we'll get into for one of the Roger Moore films but there are a lot of recognizable faces that like you know from er- from earlier in their careers that you know they became famous later which is kind of cool too so yeah very cool and I mean James Bond everybody talks about you know the action or the women but there's so mm-hmm. much to them even the cars the gadgets the villains the mm-hmm. songs I mean there's some yes. amazing songs throughout the entire franchise um yeah and you can see the way they they play with things like we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Roger Moore's era which really did try to like tap into what was trendy at the time, especially in filmmaking and popular culture um, Mm. after the Sean Connery era. I love that you pointed out these were the official ones. So you kind of stayed away from that would be like the Casino Royale spoof movie with like Peter Mm -hmm. Sellers and Never Say Never Again, which is like a redo of Thunderball kind of for fun by Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, what an undertaking. I love this. And when you watch these, I know Tubi has them, but there's a lot of commercials. So how did you see these films? So I, every single one, I rented either the DVD or the Blu-ray from the local library. Oh, no, that's perfect. No streaming at all. So yeah, they had them all. So support your local library. They still have, yes. they have DVDs and Blu-rays that you can check out. It saved me. I did calculations. It saved me over $100 in streaming fees. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause yeah. if you don't want to watch with a million commercials, I mean, I think they're like $4 a pop. So that's, yeah, it's like, yeah. Four bucks a pop. Like there were, and they weren't at the time when I was watching them all too, they weren't all available on streaming either. Oh, like they, no. it was only recently with the no time to die release when they started putting more of them on streaming okay. sites. Like, but before it was kind of scatter, it was pretty, pretty scattered and some of them weren't available period on streaming. And so yeah, they all yeah, all 24 watched on DVD or Blu-ray from the library. Oh, that's wonderful. 
And I think other people are kind of diving in because I woke up this morning mm-hmm. and I got a message from Kate Gabrielle, who's a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. It's her birthday day day as we're recording. Happy birthday, uh, Kate. Happy birthday, Kate. I know I'm wearing one of her <laughs> baby fish mouth shirts. Yes. <laughs> yes. But she um, took a picture. She went to, it looks like maybe Barnes and Noble, a picture mm-hmm. of Pierce Brosnan set because that was her first bond. And the only mm-hmm. film in the entire series that she's ever seen is GoldenEye. And she enjoyed it. And she's like, you know, I have the week off. I'm going to watch all the Pierce Brosnans and in order. And so I, I sent her a message. I'm like, you know, GoldenEye rules. Tomorrow Never Die of Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, World is Not Enough. You have one of my favorite songs in the, in the history of the music. Mm-hmm. And Die Another Day, it's a movie that exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them all. I grew up in a house with an older brother who was like obsessed with um, James Bond, whose name is James. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he loved it. Uh, We used to be able to do backwards and forwards, the order of every movie. Um, Some people count sheep. That's kind of what we did in our house. (laughs) So I haven't seen a lot of these movies though in years. Mm -hmm. So I really loved uh, revisiting this uh, myself getting really excited. I haven't seen No Time to Die yet, um, but okay. can't wait. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I will not spoil that one for you then. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just tell me what, was it good or bad or your thoughts, like quick thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Um, upon reflection, I still, so I, I liked it initially. Um, There's a key part of it that I did not enjoy. <laughs> like, okay, I was very, sure. like, that, and I was like, okay, Upon reflection, I understand why they did what they did, but at the same time, I still don't like it. Gotcha. But I liked the, but I liked the movie as a whole. Um, okay, cool. So, we're yeah. we're gonna have to like visit after I watch it, and then we can yeah. compare notes. I would love that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Well, this brings us to Roger Moore, the charming star of TV's The Saint, and he did a season of Maverick, who went on to take over the role of James Bond from Sean Connery, who arguably not only originated it, but also defined it. And of course, George Lazenby, who appeared in one of the most narratively vital works in the entire franchise in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is a totally underrated movie. I know it's a favorite of Steven Soderbergh's and others. Roger Moore starred in more Bond movies than any other actor, including in chronological order, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and A View to a Kill. He ushered in a lighter, campier, funnier, more freewheeling, basically anything goes era for 007. And the films kind of ran the gamut. Often they were made in response to the trends of the time, as we were saying, whether it was black exploitation or Asian martial arts or space action. Recently, I ran an informal poll on Twitter and asked which film that he made were people's favorites. And amazingly, I saw every single one of the titles he starred in mentioned which is crazy. Mm. Although two of the most popular entries seem to be the spy who loved me and for your eyes only, both of which we'll be discussing today along with 
the divisive, expensive box office hit, but critical misfire Moonraker. <laughs> There's a lot of directions we could have gone with this, but I think as an entry point, let's talk about Roger Moore. What are your thoughts and why was he the James Bond that stood out to you? Yeah, so through this whole process of me watching them all, yeah. um, he was like, so he was, yeah, he was immediately like after watching his run of films, I was like, okay, he is my favorite. Um, and then after, and then after watching them all, like through the rest of them, the, you know, Timothy Dalton and Harris Brosnan and Daniel Craig, like I will say Daniel Craig is close second, but Roger Moore was still my favorite. And I think it's just because he just, of all of them, he sounds like he's having the most fun doing what he's doing. He really is. On. Yeah. Having a ball. Yeah, he's having the best time. Um, I just like his overall vibe. Like he isn't as in like Sean Connery is a little bit intense. I feel like he's very like a little more in your face a little bit with his, the personality and just everything a little more forceful, I guess is kind of what maybe the word I'm looking for. And then like Roger Moore is just kind of more like, you know, he's just like, he's charming and British. I mean, like, I don't yeah. know like what, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, just that fun kind of vibe, like just you know, the good, eye, just the eyebrow raises, um, yes. he leans into the humor really well. I feel like you kind of, I think with the, the vibe of all of his films, uh, Bond films, and then just, you know, cause they are kind of ludicrous when he comes down, they to it. they're all ludicrous, but he you kind of, it. yeah, he goes for it. He leans into it. Like the humor is great. Like once they figured out how to start like to write for him, like the first, his first two, they kind of don't really get his vibe really well. No, um, and then right. once they, the spy who loved me was the first one, in my opinion, that like, it really hit its stride. They figured out how to write for him. Um, it was just really well done all around. And but yeah, it is. Yeah. As a whole. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He's just really fun. And, um, yeah, just made that whole experience of watching all yeah, the eight, seven or eight of his films just really enjoyable. I know I'm one of those people. I don't want to fight with strangers online of course because it's like <laughs> why but <laughs> I was getting a little annoyed at people who are just completely dismissing his entire filmography or his tenure as Bond like well Roger Moore seems like he's a charming man but like I hate his movies or you know stuff like that or I hate those mm-hmm. movies and you know fair everybody has their yeah. taste but it's kind of like are you allergic to fun because yeah. some of these are just a ball like yeah. if you're having a bad day and you put on the spy who loved me, like you're going to have a blast An underwater car. Come on. This is just too much fun. He was my first bond. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, people have like a soft spot for that. I -hmm. think the first one I ever saw was probably actually, I distinctly remember it was on ABC. It was octopusy and it was Mm -hmm. the mid eighties. So around 86, 87, it was on TV and we got to watch it and I felt like we were getting away with something. I mean, my parents mm-hmm. let us watch whatever. They were pretty liberal, but I felt like in the neighborhood, other kids weren't allowed to be watching this. And mm-hmm. so we had so much fun with it, like um, running around the house playing James Bond and with the kids across the street and me telling them what happened in the movie and they couldn't watch it. And then after that, we just immediately set out to you know, start watching them all. My brother had every videotape. But Roger Moore just was like a kid in a candy store. Mm -hmm. Sean Connery is, you know, the coolest Bond. Yeah. Daniel Craig is the most serious Bond. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like P. 
Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore kind of are on the same vibe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you really enjoy the Roger Moores, you're going to get a kick out of Brosnan and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Yeah. They both, yeah. They both have that kind of like tongue in cheek vibe too, with the humor and everything. They kind of try to bring back some of the old, you know, those one liners with Pierce Brosnan, which I don't think really landed as well as they did in the earlier years, but you no, know, it's you're fun. right. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, the Pierce Brosnan ones, those were also very fun. Um, I will say too, I think they were like tomorrow never dies. So it's probably my favorite of those. And they do, like you said, Thank fit you. that the Roger yeah. Moore. Um, they're, they're very, they're very similar in tone. I am so glad you brought up tomorrow never dies because when yes. I do, people are like, well, just for Michelle Yeoh. And she's like, yeah, she's awesome in it, but it's also just a ball, like you know, mm-hmm. strap in. It's it's a yeah, yeah a jet action, yeah. ride. Yeah, yeah, the action sequences are great. The the parking garage car chase and the yes, when they're I when remember they're being handcuffed. in the theater and watching that and just you yeah. know like edge of your seat. Yeah, yeah, the, the, it was like yeah, the remote control car that was so cool. And then yeah, then the uh, the other the motorcycle chase where they're handcuffed together that is yeah. awesome. So. Yeah, and was it Robbie Coltrane, right? Isn't that? Yes, I think he's in multiple. Yeah, I want to see like Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never at least a couple because he kept Mm -hmm. calling him Jimmy, if I remember right. It was just, it's great. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Those are a lot of fun, but we're here for Roger Moore. What a charming man. I read, actually picked up, it was really hilarious. I picked up his autobiography, My Word is My Bond, which I would totally recommend to anyone listening because I thought I was just going to skim it like for these Mm -hmm. movies we were talking about, Mm -hmm. but I started at the beginning just to get a feel for his writing and then just got hooked immediately. He's Mm -hmm. so, so funny. He's a little bit like James Bond with the spiciness and the way he describes (laughs) the women. Like it's a little, you know, from a different time, but he, it seems like in tongue in cheek and um, he's Mm -hmm. doing it with love. And then mm-hmm. like midway through the book, somebody said, well, you know, he wrote one on just James Bond too. And I'm like, what? I don't know why <laughs> I didn't look further down in the search results. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, earlier in the week when I found that out, I bought it right away and then had to go in and go through all of his entries on these movies and others, just the amount of love he has for it and the amount of gratitude and how he yeah. understands everyone's affection for it is is wonderful I think mm-hmm. yeah I feel like through the whole run of his movies I feel like he didn't get tired of it I feel like yeah. certain actor I like I'm just gonna say it Sean Connery was phoning it in by the last couple oh god of yes them, which I totally I think understand like, would admit I that too yeah. yeah so like he was kind of phoning <laughs> it in um but yeah like I don't think yeah the last Roger Moore one I can't that one I did not like a view to a kill kill. as much that one was kind of a train wreck but it is but I don't but I he was still giving it his all at least in my opinion yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting but yeah I think yeah I think the fun that he adds to the the role and I think you kind of have to have that approach with the way the the, the stories of the like his the films are pretty like preposterous in terms of like the plot points and things like that. And you kind of have to, to lean into that, especially with Moonraker, which I'm sure we'll get into, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. No. And he brought up a view to a kill. And I read that um, segment a couple days ago where he was talking about, um, he didn't really get along, especially with Grace Jones or the other mm. leading lady, um, Christopher Walken. He kind of 
I don't think he vibed with him either. He said, you know, he's a very good actor. He was an Oscar, I think the first Oscar winner um, or Oscar nominee. I can't remember which uh, that was playing the villain. Um, and he respected it. He said he was very serious. And I think more goes in and he just wants to have a good time. He was also getting yeah. a little bit old. So yeah. that one didn't really click. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, I think his first one to live and let die for the exact mm-hmm. points you were bringing up, they were still kind of writing it for Sean Connery and he was mm-hmm. bringing his own thing. And um, yeah, I think once they figured out what they had, magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, one thing I'm very excited about with today's movies, besides everything, and especially tackling such a notably macho franchise with another woman, is that these three Bond movies go in order, one right after another. They don't necessarily depend on seeing them that way. The entire mm-hmm. franchise can be watched in any order, although there are cases, especially with the Daniel Craig entries, where it helps. But I still love this for more because I really do think these movies represent him at his peak, as we were saying. Our first title is Moore's Third. As 007 1977's The Spy Who Loved Me, featuring a knockout title song by Carly Simon, aka Nobody Does It Better, and co-starring the gorgeous Barbara Bach as Agent Triple X, a Russian or back then Soviet spy who gets involved with James also stars Richard Keel's first performance as my favorite villain, the oversized yet oddly lovable Jaws. Plot-wise, it's pretty standard Bond. We have a megalomaniac who wants to destroy the world and create a new civilization, this time under the sea, as it's summed up on Wikipedia. But I think there's a lot of great stuff (laughs) in this movie. So what are your thoughts on Spy Who Left Me? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, the first one of the Roger Moores where I was like, yes, we are in business. This is great. Yeah, the title song. Oh my gosh. I had heard, like, I've heard that song before, just not in the context of Bond. Um, So yeah, hearing that here. um, Awesome. Yeah, I think The Spy Who Loved Me, depending on who you talk to, that is like the people, like the people who like my, like my parents, like who like grew up in that era. Like that was their first Bond film. And a lot of people that like of that generation, um, that was their first Bond film. And that Mm -hmm. was the one that like they really liked. And, you know, I can see that, but it is, it's just a really great movie. The story is well structured. It gets a little, like, it gets a little deeper in terms of like, there's a little bit more of like emotional, um, gravitas i don't know if that's the yeah, right word. emotional uh, weight that emotional weight missing. gravity yeah. yeah that was missing in the previous ones um with it um because like it's the first time that he since the um since the george lazenby on her majesty's secret service where they bring up his wife dying because yeah. i thought these were all kind of like standalone things and they were all, so it so that kind of was interesting how that gets brought up and then just yeah the whole thing with barbara bach and her you know her spy boyfriend who von kills and then that whole thing like that really good scene kind of towards the middle where they kind of have that talk about mm-hmm. about you know being a spy and what that means and all that and just you know killing people and stuff so that's kind of interesting but yeah it is just like really well structured the humor really lands um yeah i don't know just the the uh, uh J- jaws like you said he is also my favorite of yes. all the, like the henchmen like he's so I great know. um he does it yeah he he plays it really well he 
is just I don't he I just love that like he does he's indestructible <laughs> he just does not like yeah. he just keeps coming back and like he comes back for the next film too so um yeah so yeah that's kind of my initial service level um, you know he thoughts. has um just pathos there's a humanity and a warmth there um he yeah he is kind of like a horror movie character that just doesn't die um and roger moore this was his personal favorite of the ones that he made he loves spy who loved me and he talks about um just the amount of applause and excitement especially by children when they were seeing jaws uh especially when he lives at the end instead of dies because um, everybody did want want him to get away with it a little bit. And I think it's because of the great, again, tongue-in-cheek humor and also the warmth that Keel brings to the role. Uh, he's Roger Moore was dear friends with him, calls him a gentle giant. And I think he was like 7'4", something like that. He had acromegaly. Yeah. Um, he was very miserable with that dental appliance. I can't even imagine. Like it was yeah. real steel. And he oh said he could gosh. only keep it in his mouth for like a half a minute at a time because it was so painful and so heavy. And he oh. said, so he made these faces and he's being very comical and he was like yeah. dying really. And so it shows like he was a great actor. I love the opening sequence, um, yes. the skiing which I guess like Moore's like, I don't know how we didn't kill that guy because he said, if you watch it closely and then I immediately put the Blu-ray and it did uh, the ski hits the parachute, like just before he uh, jumps. And he's oh. like, I don't know how that guy made it because it did hit the chute mm-hmm. and it could have, we definitely could have lost him. But he said that was also the first big Rivera um opening sequence where you could have heard a pin drop in the theater and i think this yeah. is the one they're all chasing that high now yeah when they do these over-the-top sequences they want to be like the mm-hmm. spy who loved me yeah i feel like the ones this might be just the this is my theory i'm sure other people have had this as well i feel like the best bond films and feel free to come at me on twitter with this uh, <laughs> the best bond films have ski chases in them Thank you. I like, love I, Bond with skis. Like we're yes. going to talk about for your eyes only. My God. Yeah. Skis again. And I think, yeah, again, like anytime where there's like winter or skis, yes. like those are like the really, those are the, the really good ones. Cause like on her Majesty's secret service ski chase, it turns into a car chase. Um, yeah. Bond and so, sweaters. Come yes. On. Bond and sweaters. You got yeah. sweaters, jackets, <laughs> just, yeah. Just, yeah. This time of year. Perfect for it. We love the yes. season. We love James Bond in the season. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how, like, I mean, there's been reports about all the Bond characters um, or the actors, I should say, like getting injured, making these movies. And mm-hmm. Spy Who Loved Me, I think that was the one, yeah, where Roger Moore said he actually did um, get his um, ass on fire a little bit, like in the scene <laughs> with the um, <laughs> the shooting of the gun under the table. He's like, I either got up too fast or I sat down too quickly, something like that. And so he did burn himself in yes, a delicate place. Oh, and <laughs> I can't even imagine like how we haven't lost a bond yet. I mean, there's I wonderful stunt people. I don't even know. Like he does talk about, I think it was for your eyes only almost killed this stunt guy. Um, oh, but wow. These are, yeah. yeah. Heads up, um, applause to the stunt people that make these movies just magical. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
underwater car. So cool. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. The gadgets. Yeah. I, I love when they do the kitschy gadgets. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I get yeah, some people are like, Oh, like, uh, like, like too many, too many gadgets. It's annoying. And I'm like, no, that's what you watch these for. It's like yeah. the gadgets that, that predict what, you know, stuff that we have now, which is insane. But yeah, like the underwater car, um, yeah. And I love uh, speaking of like the gadgets and stuff like Roger Moore and um, Desmond Wellens have, I think have the best. Like, I agree. Oh my God. Uh, the rapport, rapport yeah. of all the bonds and the Q pairings, which like Desmond Llewellyn, like God bless him. He is like, just, he's, you know, all the way through Pierce Brosnan, he's like in every, like every single one pretty much. Yeah, And it's just, yeah. Amazing. So yeah, Q but. is one of my favorite characters. Come on, I mean, yeah, it's like you're watching. Yeah, you're on James Bond's side, but you're like, when's Q gonna come on the screen? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love how there's always like a gadget we are gonna see later, like a weapon. Yes, and then there's always like laughable ones where you know, like uh, I don't know, um, an umbrella collapses and like can behead somebody or something like that. Or yeah. like a, I don't know, like a taco explodes. I'm just making it up, but <laughs> yeah. you know, something where you're like, is this ever going to come back or no, uh-huh. it's just the product of someone's imagination. I love it. Uh, one thing I was laughing about this time, like watching him in quick succession was how everyone is so gorgeous. Like you know, even <laughs> someone bringing you coffee could be like a knockout Victoria's Secret model. Essentially, yes. <laughs> it's just the most photogenic film franchise, I think, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And like Barbara everybody. Bach, one of the most yes. beautiful Bond girls. Acting mm-hmm. wise, maybe not the best, mm-hmm. but um, she's just a delight. I mean, this camera loves her. Yeah. yeah, I liked her character too. Again, like she, I think she was like the first Bond girl that I really latched on to. Like, yeah. that, like I was like, okay, like she is a badass. I mean, they're all badasses in their own way, but like her, she actually has a little more depth to her character. She like makes it through the whole film. She doesn't yes. get killed off. <laughs> After um, two minutes and a love scene. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, it's like you have a love scene and then you die. Like that's yes. pretty much, if you're a woman <laughs> in a Bond film, that's what happens. Yeah. Don't um, sleep with Bond. You're going to get killed. Yeah. Yes. So, but yeah. So she does but she's fine um but anyway yeah like she's yeah she's great yeah her acting is not the best but again like the character I did yeah me too um, enjoy so yeah she actually has depth she has like a motivation she like goes toe-to-toe with Bond like I love the scene where they're following Jaws in the the Egyptian temple or the the ruins and they're kind of and she has to drive and she has to yeah, yeah she has to drive but then like the parts where they're following Jaws it's kind of like that the um kind of there's this back and forth where she is trying to you know pursue jaws like she's trying to do her own thing and then like bond kind of goes in like sneaks up in front like to get in front of her like no i got this and she's like no i got this and it's kind of like goes back and forth with that vibe and then yeah really 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 funny um good like comic timing with that as well yeah no i think it's so great and it's exciting to see like a woman not following James or needing to be protected, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like when in a you know cop movie when you have two partners going in yes. and they're clearing the hallways. That's essentially mm-hmm. what we have with these two great spies. Yeah, yeah, it is really it is like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, when you think about it, like the whole the whole thing, pretty much. So yeah, 
Yeah. And I love it when they give, I mean, usually, especially it is November where they give women um, like revenge as a motivation so seldom, but like men have to usually carry it out, but it was so cool to see a box character uh, do that in this. Like she wants to know who killed her man. And Mm -hmm. the one that she's like, I'm going to kill you. Like uh, after this is done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say the one thing that made me laugh a little bit is I think they went with a massiva the most, but nobody could really figure out how to say her name. There were a yes. few different times where it was Amasova, um, another time where it was Ama- yeah, I think it was yeah. a massiva is what we heard the most, but I love mm-hmm. that just nobody had any idea how to yeah. what what is Anya's last name. We don't know. It has good alliteration. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was and that was that was the one thing too. Watching this movie and preparing for this podcast, I was like, wait, like, how's her name pronounced? Because it I is know. like it's pronounced differently every single time. Like, yeah, Roger Moore says it pretty consistently, like a massive. Yeah. Um, I think, but yeah, everybody else is kind of like whatever. Yeah, but the other cool thing is, I think she was the first Bond girl, at least that I remember. Like, she actually has like a real name. It's not like, yeah, you know. we're gonna get a Doctor Goodhead in a minute, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, like she has a real name. Like she's an agent. Like they call her like they're like they're respectful of that too. Like they call mm-hmm. her like Agent Triple X or like you know or yeah. major or major. I think they call her major at one point, like Major Amasova. So it's like, yes, she is. Like a they major. respect that. They respect yeah. her title and they. Re- and they respect her position, which is kind of cool. So yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Yeah, very cool. Well, we love that. Next up, we have basically the same plot for our villain. <laughs> Only this time, he's an Elon Musk-like eccentric who wants to go to space. We're not talking C this time. In our, <laughs> But in our Bond level twist, um, you know, he wants to go to space. He wants to create a new master race of perfect physical specimens. 1979's Moonraker might be one of the sillier James Bonds, but hey, Jaws is back. He even finds love this time, as is Spy and You Only Live Twice director Lewis Gilbert. It was from a pet script idea by Ian Fleming as far back as 1954. He wanted to make this into a movie. And it boasts great performances by Michael Lonsdale as the diabolical Hugo Drax. And Lois Childs gives us what is perhaps the most naturalistic and spunky turn of this particular trio of Bond girls or Bond women. Though, of course, she has a ridiculous name. She's playing Dr. Holly Goodhead. They do love their punny innuendos. And this one has a whole lot of it with, um, you know, he's attempting re-entry. re-entry. <laughs> yes, my goodness. But what is your take on Moonraker? Okay, so Moon- <laughs> Moonraker is a lot of fun. I think you have to take it at what it is. Like, yeah. people, I think that's the one that people are like, I hate Moonraker. Moonraker is the worst. <laughs> it's so stupid. And I'm like, yes, it is. But I think they, they were not, tr- it's not like they were trying no. to make citizen kane and it came out moonraker not at all that's what they were making they were making this fun space romp (laughs) and that's exactly what it is it's a lot of fun i enjoyed it like i was kind of dreading watching it like going in because i was like oh this is gonna stink everybody says it stinks i'm like it was actually fine it's just like it's just preposterous that's all it is like it's Mm -hmm. you know they it's just they go they're in space there's a space laser fight like (laughs) Yeah, it's you right know, out of Star Wars, same sound effects. You have the choo-choo. Yeah. 
yeah, all, yeah, all the lasers, like it's, and then, but yeah, leading up to it, it is kind of like a legit, like, you know, uh, space race type yeah. situation and kind of dealing with the cold war and just everybody's obsessions with space at the time. And so, um, yeah. so it does have that. And then, yeah, like once it, once they go into space and it's like kind of goes off the rails a little yes. bit, it does feel long. <laughs> it does feel long in certain it is parts, a like a lot long. of them. Yeah. Do. But I mean, overall, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. You kind of have to, you know, that's, yes. it is what it is. Like it accomplishes what it needs to. I enjoyed halfway. it. Yeah. Yes. I will definitely, I loved rewatching it. I will definitely rewatch it again if I come across it. So. Yeah. It kind of, I think benefited for me this time. I remember as a kid, just finding it so ridiculous, but <laughs> this time it came a few months after I watched Modesty Blaze for the first time because of mm. Kate. Yes. And so it, it does have this sort of like hangover of the sixties thing. Like they're just trying something uh, for your eyes only was supposed to be the next James Bond. I think at the end of Spy Love Me, it even says like James Bond will return in for your eyes only. But because mm-hmm. of Star Wars and the ex- yeah. success of all of those space things in the 70s, you know, it's like, well, we got to send them to space. This was before NASA had that space shuttle program thing. So they were just mm-hmm. trying uh, new things. I mean, it's it's a ball. It's ridiculous. But mm-hmm. one thing I also remember when I was watching it this time was my friend Sean Burns came out with a really funny review of No Time to Die, uh, where he said, thank God they remembered that these movies should be funny. And, yes. um, you know, that's one thing I love about Moore's era and mm-hmm. uh, Moonraker. It is funny. It's mm-hmm. great to see Jaws, you know, find a girlfriend who's yes. very, very short. Um, and they were <laughs> worried about that. They said, oh, no. And um, so Richard Keel's like, but my wife is exactly her height. So then they they were okay with it, which I thought oh, was wow. really adorable. Yeah. And it kind of came from the amount of kids writing letters into the producers like why does jaws have to be a baddie like isn't he a goodie too like i love jaws and yes. so many kids loved uh, loved him that they thought you know what he's gonna be um bond secret ally by the end of the movie at least mm-hmm. yes and i yeah, do i love I loved that too. I'm sure there were people that think that's really cheesy and everything, but again, oh. it was so sweet. It was so well done. Like it could have been way hokier than it was. Yeah, I thought it was very cute, very sweet. And like, yeah, like it's nice when there's like, you have kind of like a villain or somebody you think is a villain and then they end up like helping or having that change of heart, which he kind of like, he does have that there's moment. Where, like, yeah. Cause he was like, Oh, well, like if, you know, I'm not included in this, you know, plan for a master race or whatever, yeah. like, yeah, like screw this. Like, you know, so, yeah. So yeah, I kind of, that was, a, that was a really cool moment. It's also kind of touching from like a disability rights um, perspective mm. because yeah, when he goes up there, he's thinking, well, I'm helping Hugo Drax. Like he's going to keep me around. And then mm. all of a sudden, and his girlfriend has glasses. And it's like, all of a yeah. sudden, these people probably aren't quote unquote perfect to this guy because of mm-hmm. different um, what they consider to be flaws. And so I do think that that is a great motivation for uh, Jaws to turn good. It's yes. also cool when you know about Keel's health problems and stuff in real life. And the way he's treated, like Roger Moore tells a really good story about um like photographers coming to the set and it was on the day when the uh, man who played knickknack 
um, showed up. And so you had a very, very short villain and then you had, um, you know, Richard Keel and somebody wanted to take a picture. Like, can we pose, you know, and Keel just looked at him and he said, I don't do freak photos. And both of them walked away. And it's like, and Moore said, you know, that was him. He had a backbone and quite rightly was sticking up for himself and um, the other actor. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's a good story. And that's, yeah, that's, that's important. It's like, for, for, and for the time too, like that was not something that was, you know, like de- depictions of that were not, you know, shown really that much. No, in movies, you're so. so right. So, yeah. So definitely, yeah. Like I think, the franchise for the setbacks that there are for like a lot of, you know, rights and people, you know, like women's rights and, you know, like race relations and stuff like that. There are definitely things that are like, not, yes. <laughs> not great, but like there are other ways. Yeah. Yeah. But there are other ways where it's like progressive and progressive in other ways too. So there's kind of that, you know, back and forth, which I think pretty much, you know, all, all movies kind of have that too. This has uh, the great cable car sequence which I thought was very, very scary. I loved Lois Childs in this. I guess she was Mm. supposed to be, or she was in the running to be in um, Spy Who Loved Me. I think she was, Mm. it was like a fluke. She was, I think, seated next to one of the producers on an airplane. And in conversation, he just thought she's great and she should be Anya Amasova or whatever her name is. Mm. But um, (laughs) she declined because she wanted to temporarily retire and then mm. changed her mind. She was in this. I thought she and Moore had really good chemistry. Yes. I think um, Jacqueline Smith was one of the front runners, but she had a conflict with Charlie's Angels. But I love mm. Childs in this. She's very, very funny, spunky. Um, mm. I thought she was wonderful, despite her silly name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she, yeah, she is really great. I did. Um, I liked her again. Like she's also like a scientist, but she's also CIA. Like she's again, super cool. I think, yeah, the seventies, yeah. I think the seventies Bond films are giving them actual like careers essentially. I mean, like most, I mean, they are like a lot of them are also like, you know, the, the Connor area, they're kind of like, you know, double agents, but they're not like, I guess they're like their role is not their, their their career or whatever their their job is. It's like not as much as part of their identity as mm-hmm. it is with the Roger Moore films. Of like I think it is more of kind of like seventies women's lib, all that stuff happening. And I think you're you're this is where we're starting to see more of like yeah these career, career women yeah. assertive career women. Yeah, with their agency. This was the most expensive bond. They had to shoot it in France um, because, you know, England and Pinewood was going to be way too much, prohibitively expensive. They shot it multiple places as they always do with these movies. But yeah, so part of their deal was they had to cast a couple of French actors um, in the leading roles, like Michael Lonsdale. I think it was supposed to be James Mason. Um, but yeah, they couldn't have another Brit, so they needed um, Lonsdale. Um, a few of those people it was also though I mean people write this movie off all the time but it made the most money at the box Mm. office until Goldeneye so again you have the power of these sort of jokier bonds yeah Mm. yeah I think that people want a good time when they go to the movies and I feel like you know like space and spy movies like they're yeah they're fun so yeah I mean so everybody wins yeah everybody wins yeah Moore said that even he said um 
you know, part of the reason I make these movies, I mean, he makes jokes about, well, my accountant tells me when it's time to go back to work, basically. (laughs) Um, But then he also says, you know, life is so hard and people might want to go and escape. That's what um, movies should be, at least to him. Uh, He said, you know, who wants to go see their problems and like dwell on their problems on the big screen? And so he said, I just want to make people forget their problems for a few hours. And I think that's what these movies do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, next we have what turned out to be on this rewatch anyway, my favorite of the three. And the one that is as old as I am. Yes, I'm ancient. We're talking about (laughs) 1981's For Your Eyes Only, which sought to bring James Bond back down to earth. And boy, did they ever. They grounded the film in more serious Jean Le Carré or even Sean Connery era style spycraft, as well as some of the most phenomenal action sequences in the franchise's entire history, including the one on skis we mentioned involving motorcycles and Olympic level sharpshooters that goes on for so long. It's a wonder everyone isn't dead. It's very (laughs) cool and very harrowing. And of course, as someone who adores great action choreography, I loved it. Our Bond girl this time is Carol Bouquet, who I mostly remember as the face of Chanel Number no. 5 for more than a decade. She runs a vineyard now in Sicily, I guess, which is so damn cool. And For Your Eyes Only also stars the legendary Topol and Julian Glover, who funnily enough was uh, were once, or in Glover's case, was once shortlisted to play James Bond, but lost out to Roger Moore. No one is trying to restart civilization in the sea <laughs> or in space in For Your Eyes Only. And while those films are fun, I think this movie is all the better for it, for making those stakes a little more relatable. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is the one that my first watch when I watched it a few months ago surprised me the most because I really like this is probably I go back and forth between the spy who loved me and this one is like my favorite Roger Moore and I think this one has the edge just a little bit yeah Um, because again it is more like has those more realistic stakes it feels like like a more of like the traditional spy film that you kind of see even now like a lot of the format is still used today like kind of reminds me of like a mission impossible almost oh that's a good comparison Um, yeah so um so yeah i did i did really like this one yeah carol bouquet i love like she's great like also as a as a as a greek this one also spoke to me as well (laughs) so yes greeks um so that was cool um yeah it was fun to see topol in this too i was not expecting him to be in this (laughs) like i was you know opening credits on people's names i was like topol i had no idea um so that was kind of fun and yeah I think I think what was I think I read somewhere that like the pistachio his pistachio chomping or whatever that was like he he suggested that like he brought that in like that was not in the in the script and so like him always like munching on pistachios it's um really really fun just add some fun stuff to it and yeah um, yeah I don't know yeah I really I, I really really liked it and that's also I guess this is the first one like um uh without m they're like m's on vacation you know m's like m's on vacation um but that was when the actor had passed away i think so yes Um, yeah and they felt like they didn't want to just cast somebody in it was too soon so they thought to respect him you know he's on vacation yes absolutely no if your eyes only is such a great one um for all the reasons that we mentioned, it also just feels like a little bit of a fresh, a fresh breath of air 
um, mm-hmm. after some of these just extreme, like, okay, we have James Bond in black exploitation, and now he's doing mm-hmm. the Bruce Lee thing, and now this, yeah. and and it's like exactly what you're saying. I like the comparison for Mission Impossible because you can mm-hmm. see how this movie maybe inspired, you know, action filmmakers in future years to be like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, what can we do with a car chase or the skis or whatever? And they mm-hmm. kept pushing that envelope. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I love the and again another underwater scene, which also I think the under the ones with underwater scenes also are like the best James Bond ones yeah. too. Where they have like that scene is actually legitimately intense, where they're both trying to get the attack machine from the the sunken submarine, and the 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 guy comes in and that that giant suit and is like attacking them and like her oxygen tank, like he like punctures her oxygen tank and like they're trying to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the keel hauling scene, that's also legitimately like really yes. twisted and frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was also really well done. Um, so yeah, like, le- like legitimately intense. And then also the, the climbing, you know, the, the, the climbing scene, he's climbing up the side of the cliff and yeah, just yeah. that whole sequence is also really, um, intense. And, yeah. I can't imagine doing some of these uh, the, sequences. The stunts. My yeah. God. Yeah, I think this is the one that almost took out his stuntman. Um, it also stars uh, Cassandra Harris as mm-hmm. Countess Liesel von Schlaff, uh, which is the mistress of the Columbo character uh, that Topol is playing. And the cool thing about Cassandra Harris, of course, is she was married to Pierce Brosnan. And so he came and, you know, had like lunch with the producer. And then who knew a few years later, he yeah. was going to be after Dalton, uh, the next Bond and probably the heir apparent and style wise to uh, Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a little bit of a crazy six degrees of Bond situation there. Yeah. Um, Moore's book is kind of full of those things. Like um, mm-hmm. he talks about things like, um, yeah, my daughter went to the London Academy of Dramatic Arts and her best friend there was named Rita Wilson. And she had this really nice boyfriend named Tom and it was Tom Hanks, you know, <laughs> like he'll just sort of casually bring these things in. I love oh, that. Wow. Yeah. So it's full of those little anecdotes. But yeah, For Your Eyes Only, such a good movie. She mm-hmm. uses a crossbow. I mean, yes. you know, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has a real name. <laughs> Like she Melina. does have a real name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Again, a woman out for revenge. Yeah. 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 And that's, one, that's, yeah. 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 The, yeah. The revenge thing too. I think it's very, even more so than the spy who loved me. It's like very yes. central. It's very personal. Like her parents are killed. Yep. Like she is, she is hell bent on just like murdering anybody who's involved. And yeah. you know, there's like those, those lines in there too like bond has to keep like stopping her from 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 doing that and it's kind of like okay but like kind of like want her to carry out her her revenge yeah. or whatever but there are like those those like good lines about you know, like the you know when you go out for revenge you dig two graves or whatever graves. that line is yeah. so, um so so yeah i think yeah like that again she has agency she has you know she has that motivation um yeah i think it's really well done also like i just like the fact that they're also like i mean she's not like she doesn't like they're it's not about like her like they're not like lovers right away either they're kind no, of like not at all doing their whole thing so that was kind of that was a different 
twist as well, which uh, it was a breath of fresh air compared to all the other ones too. And again, the countess sleeps with him and she gets like murdered the next day. So it's like, they're, so they're yeah. still kind of doing that. They're still but, doing that, but she's yeah. the good contrast there. And yeah, it is a very personal thing when it's her parents that get killed uh, in a weird way that kind of reminded me of Spectre which I just rewatched, not my favorite one of the Bonds, but um, everybody telling me about No Time to Die, they were like, revisit Spectre right before you watch. And I'm glad yes. I did because yes, you do have that with Leah Seydoux's character mm-hmm. as well. Um, okay, is so good. This kind of feels like a nice companion piece really to Spy You Love Me, like two halves mm-hmm. of the same whole. They were supposed to go in order, um, but also... Uh, we are again dealing with a stolen ATAC system or the attack mm-hmm. system for submarines. So it just feels like, you know, Spy Who Loved Me Part Two, but a bit more grounded. Yeah. yeah Cause like the whole, like the final like action sequence, they're not going to, I mean, yeah, there's like yeah. a lair, but it's not like they're not at some like volcano house or whatever. It's no. like they're, <laughs> they're just like up on the mountain at this, you know, monastery church thing. And then, you know, they at the end, spoiler alert, they like toss the ATAC machine off the, the cliff, yeah, which kind of reminds me of like nobody should have it. Yeah, it's almost like North by Northwest when like this the the microfilm just kind of like oh, that's sh- a gets great sh- one gets yeah. shattered. So I'm kind of wondering if that was an influence, maybe like indirectly. I don't know, but again, it's just kind of like okay, like and he's like that's detente, yo, and then it's kind of yeah. like that's it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's definitely more grounded in that sense, like a little more quote realistic. Um, yeah, but you compare to the other ones, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one does have the opening scene where we're assuming it's Blofeld. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a little crazy. But yeah. And the ending, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, everyone. No, but um, just a ball. I I enjoyed all like what a run these three movies. Um, And I mean, you know, Moonraker is just kind of the middle act where you're starting to shuffle in your seat a little bit, but then it comes right back. Yeah. So, well, this one, um, sorry, well, this, this one, um, for your eyes only, I also saw upon rewatching, I saw the the parallels as well. Like they kind of almost redid, um, on her Majesty's secret service a little bit. Like a lot of the plot points are very similar. Um, with the skiing and also like the, 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 the beach, like there's like the chase thing on the beach. There's yeah, the skiing thing. Um, yeah, I think just some of the plot points are kind of very similar and I need to go back and watch on her Majesty's secret service again, but I did read somewhere and I definitely saw some of the parallels too. Like those are very similar. So maybe that's why like, it's also very Ooh, good. They kind of just I like, like took that. Something that that yeah. was not broken it's like if it ain't broke don't fix it um yeah. so yeah and, i don't know yeah another stellar song this time was it Gina yeah. Easton? my goodness yeah. i really yeah. liked that song too like again it's not one of the ones that are normally mentioned in like the top you know the top mm-hmm. whatever lists of bond songs but yeah i really really liked it and it also <laughs> you can kind of hear the like with the songs too like the transition into eras so the song is like super 80s like, oh my like God. Very, it is so 80s yeah the, the synth and the, the ballad or whatever it just yeah it just feel it's just a nice little 80s ballad so there is kind of like that transition 
mm-hmm. from the yep. songs and yeah, yeah I guess the previous decade. yes yeah new, new, new yeah new era new decade very 80s and then yeah the ones from the 70s definitely re- like reflect the yep. 70s too the Hamlish yeah yes exactly. <laughs> yes yeah and Moonraker was a little bit of a hangover from earlier Bond which really bassy um is it bassy or bassy I think it's Bassey. Shirley Bassey. Yeah. <laughs> We're going with that. Um, Shirley Bassey. I think that was her third one. Moonraker, kind of a forgettable track, basically. But Sheena yeah. Easton was so beautiful that when the producers saw her, they thought she would be the first artist that they would actually put in the credits, the opening credits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, that she's like, actually yeah. see her. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, um, they were always having trouble with those opening credit sequences and censors because usually, I mean, they are extremely, they're not leaving much to the imagination. Yeah. And so um, they decided what they would do is very strategic is usually they'd have a premiere for these movies um, and give the, you know, proceeds to charity of some kind. So then if the censors balked on you know, this isn't really a PG in the UK, which I think is our PG 13 sort of, mm-hmm. like, this isn't a UK PG. Um, they could say, okay, but then we're going to have to pull this charity that would have, uh, you know, premiere at this charity that would have given them all this mm. money. And so they were kind of getting away with murder a little bit. And I thought yes. that was clever. Yeah, <laughs> Good that way to help bad. the charity and, yes. you know, and get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they do like they are very like if you look closely, you can see Woo! things. So, yes. it's, uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, another great thing you suggested for this is taking a look at Moore's appearance on the Muppet Show from this period, <laughs> which was episode five twenty four, which was so fun, and it offered a nice play on his persona as Roger Moore versus James Bond, premiering in the fall of nineteen eighty. It's a great one. Would you like to take it away on this? Uh, I mean, you can do your, whatever your intro was for that. Yeah. Or I can just um, take it away. But I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, I love this episode. I think, did I watch this before? I think I might've watched the episode for the first time before watching the Bond movies. To oh, be honest, did you? Because oh, the timing of the, the Muppet show release on Disney plus was like right around the time. I was like, I'm going to dive in. And then I saw like Shirley Bassey had an episode and I saw Roger Moore had one. So I think I maybe did watch it before. Anyway, it's a great time. I feel like if there was any James Bond of all the ones who have played James Bond to be perfect for the Muppet show, it is Roger Moore. It's one of the favorite things he ever did. He said like of all the variety shows and interview shows he did, it was like the Muppets. And (laughs) I love that so much. I love that. He just, again, had the best, he seemed like he was having the best time. Yeah, I love when they, like anybody who's a guest on the Muppet show, like when they have, like, again, like rapport chemistry with the Muppets, like it works really well. Like they, they, like they just have a really good interactions with them. Like they, they, it doesn't, you know, it's like they're talking to real people. I know like that kind of helps just the way the puppeteers do it and everything and kudos to them. But yes, yeah. Like, I yeah. think he did say like Miss Piggy, like I, see, I saw an interview somewhere that like Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy was his favorite Bond girl. Yes. <laughs> which which oh, I love so much. I do too. No, in his book too, it's the cutest thing. He talks about how excited he was to do the Muppet show. And he was actually like coming up with dirty jokes about the Muppets. And so when he landed there, 
he started to tell all these kind of like off color Kermit jokes. And he said, you know, they were just deer in headlights. And then he realized, okay, so I shouldn't do that. But he got <laughs> along with them very, very well. He said one distracting thing, because he said, these puppeteers are just amazing. He said, as if you can't really look below your knees because they're down there, they're working the puppets. And he said, they're just furiously going away and, um, you know, going at the puppet tree and just how cool it was. But in his book, I love that he wrote this little segment, which is, I've not told anyone this before. I ask you to understand that I was in Borumwood alone, away from my wife and family. I was feeling a little lonely. And well, it was inevitable that when she made her advance, I would crumble. I'm not proud of what happened. It was a one night thing. I never heard from her again, not a letter, text, email, or even a phone call. So much for Miss Piggy saying she loved me. And I just thought like, you know, he had the right sense of humor about it. Yeah. Yes. And like, let's talk about that, that sketch because whoever, whoever wrote that or whoever pitched that, like just kudos (laughs) to that person because yeah, the with her singing, like, I want to get you on a slow boat to China. Yes. <laughs> and like flipping the script, like she's seducing him. Yeah. It's not... And he's like, no, like he's like, well, what about Kermit? <laughs> like that's like his yes. whole thing. He's like, what about Kermit? I'm not a frog. Like it's just so <laughs> it's just so pitch perfect. Like ev- like every single like interjection that he says, every like to interrupt her every single time. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, so I just can't imagine like what filming that was like. Did they have, I wish there was a blooper reel. Cause I'm just thinking about yes. like Frank Oz, like down there, like doing this, like singing his heart out as Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just doing that. And then like the twist at the end and it's the, um, what's the, what's the other pig's name? I forget her name. Like, is it Sue or something? Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Like, like his date is his, his girlfriend. To, yeah. yeah was, like, his girlfriend. It's just so, uh, it's or so bringing great. her out. Yeah. It was a really Ugh. good twist. Oh my gosh. So much fun. I had, uh, just a ball watching that. I actually watched it yesterday, kind of a busy, busy day. And it just, yeah, made me laugh so hard. I yeah, and that's that's one that I will pull out and watch. Oh, like, really? Again, like because the, the, that clip is on YouTube. If you don't want to watch the whole episode, which you should watch the whole episode. Yeah, the whole episode's great. It's like um, twenty so minutes. Great. Yes. Um. Yeah, but that's one that like I I definitely save that. Like have that bookmarked for a rainy day. <laughs> like just watch cool. watch that, and then um, also the like the other like the big closing number where like um well I guess we could set up the whole plot of the episode like if there is a plot like they're basically like (laughs) he's Roger Moore they're like James Bond is here and then they have this whole big sketch plan where they're gonna have like quote spies like come in and like do this James Bond number and then like Roger Moore like gets like steps in a pie at one point and then yes. like yeah he, that comes they, happening with the pies I love because they're like spies pies what what's happening and so like he like <laughs> steps in a pie at one point um and then at the end they're going to do this big number like this big James Bond number and they're trying to get like actors to play the spies or whatever and then Roger Moore is like they do that little mm-hmm. I guess bumper segment I don't know what the thing is yeah. called he's like no I'm actually gonna do this cute little number where I sing talk to the animals with cute fuzzy little creatures and then they come so in sweet. and then yeah so cute and then they have the like these Muppets show up as like they're the spies but they're actually real spies trying to like get James Bond <laughs> and so yeah. they kind of like hijack the song but 
Um, but yeah, I, I love that number one because I did you just him doing talk to the animals from Dr. Doolittle, like out Rex Harrison and Rex Harrison. Like, I'm just gonna say, like, Roger Moore should have played Henry Higgins. Um, yeah, he kind of proves it. Yeah, I'm gonna say that right now. Like, why didn't that happen? Uh, people were not thinking. Um, so, uh, I thought that was great from that perspective. It was just so cute. Like, again, he just goes full into it. He does the talk singing, you know, sing talking, whatever you want to call it. And then <laughs> the Muppet spies come in <laughs> and yes. then he's still doing the song and then like karate chopping up like Muppet spies and like shooting lasers and like doing the James Bond thing. Uh, but yeah, with Muppets. it was really ambitious. Yeah. yeah. I, it's again, like whoever came up with that, whoever pitched that again, genius. Perfect. Yeah. So good. So great. Cute little number. Also. Yeah. Just really fun. Like it does enough of the James Bond thing without it being kind of hokey. Like I feel like mm-hmm. the, like some of the other episodes with other guest stars that they've done, like they, it was, they, they lean, they kind of lean into whatever the thing was too much, but this one yes. was like just enough that, you know, you got you got the picture, but it was it was like it was still its own thing, but it also kind of gave him a chance to like shine in other ways that were not just him being James Bond, like again, but also kind of still showing what he did as James Bond, like the humor and like his comic timing, like that definitely was yeah. in play here. But um, but like the musical like thing was unexpected, but it worked really well. It really did. It kind of also sort of underscores, yeah, exactly what he brought to James Bond and why he was so good at it. He's so genuinely having a good time, happy to be there. And, you know, yeah, you get some people on the Muppet show that might just be um, doing it because they heard it was the right thing to do for their career or whatever. He is super excited to be doing this and you can tell. And mm-hmm. I love that about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like even just like small details, like the way, like if you look at the way he'll like pet it's, he pets the animal Muppets, like they're yes. real animals. <laughs> so it's so, it's so sweet. Cute. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So just, Absolutely. just little things like that. But I know that's all the time we had um, for these. But are there any other Bond movies, especially but not limited Roger Moore's era, or just other work of his or other Bonds you want to encourage everyone to check out? Shoot, yeah, definitely check out Roger Moore. Give Moonraker another chance if you yes. <laughs> give Moonraker a chance. <laughs> give him a shot, yeah. Um, but yeah, Roger Moore, those are super fun. Um yeah, the Pierce Brosnan one I mentioned, like Tomorrow Never Dies, I really liked. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if you haven't seen any of these Bond films, like give them, you know, go into them with an open mind. Yes, yeah. there are definitely like sex, like sexist and racist things in them, of all course. that stuff. Yeah. But I think it, it, it's there's still there's still a lot of fun. You can you know take them for what they are. They're not supposed to be masterpieces. No, um, like you said, these aren't Citizen yeah. Kane, or they're not trying to be. Yeah, no. they're not trying yeah. to be. Yeah, they're not trying to be Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is Citizen Kane. This is yes. you know, <laughs> So yeah, I think yeah, they're definitely a lot of fun. I mean, it's it was hard because like I really liked all of like the different actors who have played him. Obviously, oh, yeah. not every single not every single movie is great. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely some that are better than others but yeah i really like 
I mean, the Daniel Craig ones, I was also really surprised by. I mean, they're the most recent, so everybody's going to be familiar with those, mm-hmm. but um, I really Oh, the quality glad. level, yeah, really. Just, yeah. Yeah, Casino Royale, that one's, like, also, like, in my top three of all 24. Just yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even the Sean Connery ones, too, like, some of those were, like, those are really fun. Like, Dr. Noah's, like, yeah. yeah, Goldfinger is probably my favorite Sean Connery yeah. one. From Russia um, with Love is really good. Yeah, that's good. Even Dr. No, like, yes. I will say, like, if you haven't seen Dr. No, go and watch that one because it sets everything, everything. in motion in mm-hmm. terms of, like, just all of the, I guess, like, the character, like, just, like, he, like, hit, introduces the character really well and introduces, like, just all the elements that ba- make Bond movies what they are mm-hmm. all in that movie. And it's just amazing how they kind of continued all the stuff, whether it's like the, you know, the megalomaniac villain with the, you know, the, the crazy lair yeah. and just like him, you know, inviting him to like, like, come stay at my like crazy lair and I'm not going to kill you right away. They always like, hang out there. Yeah. They like give them, they give them like the, the, like the full on hospitality. Like here, yeah. like, this is the spot, but like, I'll kill you later, but here, here, enjoy the spot. <laughs> um and just stuff like that and like also the bond girl like ursula andrus like that intro is yeah the ultimate yeah um and then yeah stuff like that and then uh, what's the other thing like the first time he says bond james bond like i got goosebumps chills like because you've been i've never seen that like in context and like when that happens in the movie which is still pretty early on mm-hmm. you know there's that but yeah there isn't a ton of action in that one i will say i feel like the the most action like the most action that really happens is him killing that tarantula <laughs> i feel like that's pretty like, much yeah um <laughs> that happens and it's also very relatable like he doesn't like spiders like he's you know he's james bond but he hates spiders um so yeah but yeah i would say yeah dr no is a really fun one if like if you especially if you've not seen it before and you wanted to just like see where it all began i think that's a, a really fun one to watch it's definitely not the best of any of the movies but but still yeah it's still like in terms of like from a historical or historical standpoint or Mm -hmm. yeah whatever I'm trying to say but yeah absolutely have you ranked them because you were talking about your favorites or these just kind of like theoretically these are my favorites that kind of yeah I have not done a like ranking too hard yeah it's too hard to rank that many but I have picked out like my favorites from each bond yeah per se so and I think I've mentioned them all I mean Timothy Dalton only did two Mm -hmm. and which one did you prefer I mean, I guess the living daylights. It's like, tough. Yeah. They're both poor T Dalt as they call him. And I'm your man. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> got a little screwed there, but, but yeah. yeah, I wish he had done more. Like a lot. There's some people that are like, Oh, I didn't really like Timothy Dalton songs, but I think like the, what they, they were, what they were, I think they needed after Roger Moore, they needed to have a darker, grittier bond. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, after all that. And so I think, it was good. I think if they hit, if he had done a third film, that's where it would have hit the stride. Because again, like again, like, yeah, they're starting both, to know what works. Yeah, yeah, and then there they didn't really give him a chance to to do that. But I think he was good. There wasn't, I mean, there wasn't as much of like the jokiness or like I kind of wish there was just like even just a hint because you do need like a little bit of a hint of like some sort of a sense of humor. <laughs> but yeah. um, he is very like Shakespearean almost in a way, like. Yeah, uh, I thought he was good. I know yeah. um, Moore says he talked to Lazenby all the time and Lazenby regretted not doing more. He was asked, mm. I think he was asked to like sign the seven picture deal 
or something like that. And he turned it down because he thought he would go out on a high note and it was just too much pressure. Um, but he said that that was one of his biggest regrets is I should have done, uh, a, I don't know about seven, but seven. I should have done another one. Yeah. Roger Moore yeah. was in seven. He did not sign the seven picture deal though. He kind of did. I don't know if it was a couple. Um, and then after that, it was a by film basis, which I think yeah. was good. Yeah, so then he was there like, if he wanted to be. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. I think that's probably why it works so well. Cause again, it was kind of like, okay, like, do you want to do another one? Yeah, sure. I'll do it. Cause wasn't for your eyes only not supposed to be his wasn't like he was, he was maybe thinking about like not doing another one. And that was the one that like Timothy Dalton maybe, or somebody was going to do instead or whoever the next yeah, person. Was. I don't remember, but it, I think so. I think they were, yeah. he wasn't quite sure if he was coming back. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about Roger Moore, um, when he passed away, I think it was 2017, Mm -hmm. somebody on Facebook shared the most beautiful story about him, um, a memory of meeting him as a child. And this week when I said I was watching all of these and shared his um, autobiography, somebody was kind enough to copy and paste, make a photo of Mm -hmm. this story, and I will read it here for you to enjoy. This post was made by Mark Haynes shortly after Roger Moore's passing. As a seven-year-old in about 1983, in the days before first-class lounges at airports, I was with my granddad in Nice Airport and saw Roger Moore sitting at the departure gate reading a paper. I told my granddad I'd just seen James Bond and asked if we could go over so I could get his autograph. My granddad had no idea who James Bond or Roger Moore were. So we walked over and he popped me in front of Roger Moore with the words, my grandson says you're famous. Can you sign this? As charming as you'd expect, Roger asked my name and duly signs the back of my plane ticket, a fulsome note full of best wishes. I'm ecstatic, but as we head back to our seats, I glance down at the signature. It's hard to decipher it, but it definitely doesn't say James Bond. My granddad looks at it, half figures out it says Roger Moore. I have absolutely no idea who that is, and my heart sinks. I tell my granddad he signed it wrong, that he's put someone else's name. So my granddad heads back to Roger Moore, holding the ticket, which he's only just signed. I remember staying by our seats, and my granddad saying, he says you've signed the wrong name. He says your name is James Bond. Roger Moore's face crinkled up with realization and he beckoned me over. When I was by his knee, he leaned over, looked from side to side, raised an eyebrow, and in a hushed voice said to me, I have to sign my name as Roger Moore because otherwise Blofeld might figure out I was here. He asked me not to tell anyone that I'd just seen James Bond. And he thanked me for keeping his secret. I went back to our seats, my nerves absolutely jangling with delight. My granddad asked me if he'd signed James Bond. No, I said, I'd got it wrong. I was working with James Bond now. Many, many years later, I was working as a scriptwriter on a recording that involved UNICEF. And Roger Moore was doing a piece to camera as an ambassador. He was completely lovely. And while the cameramen were setting up, 
I told him in passing the story of when I met him in Nice Airport. He was happy to hear it. And he had a chuckle and said, well, I don't remember, but I'm glad you got to meet James Bond. So that was lovely. And then he did something so brilliant. After the filming, he walked past me in the corridor, heading out to his car. But as he got level, he paused, looked both ways, raised an eyebrow, and in a hushed voice said, of course, I remember our meeting in Nice. But I didn't say anything in there because those cameramen, any one of them could be working for Blofeld. I was as delighted at 30 as I had been at seven. What a man. What a tremendous man. I love that story. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just Roger Moore in a nutshell. Had you heard that story before? Yes. I remember like when he died again, yeah. like when he died, I was like, I had no frame of reference. So it didn't like his death sure. didn't really like mean anything to me personally, which sounds kind of terrible, but like, again, but no, like, I, was not, yeah. I had not seen any bond or any of his bond films at the time. But like, I remember like when that, that happened, I remember reading that story when that was first out there. And I thought that was so lovely and so sweet. And then yeah. you know, one reading that again, after like seeing the bond films and like having some sort of, you know, you kind of like having watched all these especially like in a row and like yeah. all at once you kind of like with any movie or any film anybody's filmography I really like doing because you really kind of like get to know them in a way kind of a little that, bit that, yeah a little bit not in like a legit personal sense where you know you're like yeah we're not hanging out we're not hanging out or anything you feel like you know them better yeah yeah and so you, you so that I think that also like reading that story again again probably even more touching than it was when I first yeah. read it, but it's still like, regardless of whether you care about James Bond or Roger Moore, that's such it's beautiful, such a lovely story. Like just, yeah. And I it's think perfect that's... because he wound up working with kids with UNICEF. And I think mm -hmm. it just shows that side of him that loves children. And also um, the story also kind of goes right hand in hand with him on the Muppet show and the child yes. at heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Well, Julia, I want to thank you so much for your time. This was such a pleasure and a great way to kick off the weekend by talking about James Bond. So thank you so much for being here. Will you come back next year? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay, always great. down. Yeah, this was fantastic. So much fun. Love talking about James Bond. Love talking about movies, period. So this yeah. has been great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting 
filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. <laughs>